Let's pray together. Father, we open your word now with the anticipation that you will speak to us. May your spirit bring a fresh glimpse of Jesus today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is so good to see you today. Good to be in God's house. Amen. Yeah. Today we finish up our series on the fruits of the Spirit, Secrets for Great Relationships. I, I hope that you've had um, a good journey as we've been together through the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, let's read one more time uh, this passage from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's read out loud together. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And each one of these fruits is a secret to great relationships. As the Holy Spirit produces these fruits in our lives, our relationships get better and better. Amen? And uh, we, it's our role to cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he works in us. So we looked at the secret of love, joy, peace. We've looked at patience and kindness and goodness. And we've talked about faithfulness and gentleness. Now, what fruit do you think could be self-control? How about a zesty lemon? How many of you like lemons? Ah, some do. That's good. That's good. Well, as we know, a lack of self-control damages relationships. So this, is, this is evident. Um, now, I, I don't know if, uh, if you've read this verse recently, but Proverbs 25, 28 says, A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. You've seen some of these old cities, and in Bible times they would build walls out of stone and and if the wall became broken down, of course, the city was defenseless. And if we have a lack of self-control, we are defenseless. And so it's such a, such a vital fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Anything out of control would damage your relationships. Uncontrolled anger, of course, Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Um, I don't want to call anybody a fool, but I'm just reading what the Bible says here. Uh, uncontrolled lust will damage your relationships, of course. Proverbs 6.26, making love to another man's wife will cost you everything. Uncontrolled spending will damage relationships. By the way, we, we had a finance seminar just uh, this week. And one of the things that we were taught uh, is that, you know, as a married couple, you know, you should have a certain amount of money that you can each spend without consulting the other. But otherwise, you need to talk about what you spend. Uncontrolled spending will damage your relationship. And fools spend whatever they get. Easy come, easy go, in and out, you know. Uncontrolled ambition, of course, is devastating to relationships. And the Bible says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. But we've seen this, people that are so ambitious, they want to get ahead, and they just work, 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 and workaholism is so devastating to a relationship. But the greatest destroyer of relationships today is an uncontrolled tongue. How many of you would agree with me on that? 
an uncontrolled tongue. And so today we want to talk about taming the tongue. And this uh, self-control issue, our tongue <laughs> is a force to be reckoned with. James 3, beginning verse 5, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction. And so this little body part, our tongue, we need by God's grace to learn how to control the tongue. How many of you have seen verbal arsonists at work? I see your hands. You've, you've seen it. We've all seen verbal arsonists and, you know, maybe it's spreading gossip or whatever. Uh, this tongue is something that gets us into a lot of trouble and it devastates relationships. On the other hand, those who control their tongue will have a long life, the Bible says. I, I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll have to tell you this, that, that personally, um, there have been times in my ministry when I have uh, repeated something that I should not have said, when I've said something that was out of place. And uh, man, it can cause a lot of trouble. And so God's been working on me, you know, all these years. But those who control their tongue will have a long life. Now, we, we speak a lot. We talk a lot. In fact, uh, they say the average man uses 20,000 words a day. The average woman uses 30,000 words a day. And what happens, uh, you know, you go off to work and you each spend about 20,000 words at work. You come home and the guy's finished talking and, uh, yeah, his wife still has about 10,000 words left. But we, we, we can fill, in one year, we can fill uh, 66 books, 800-page books with the words we speak. More than one book a week. 800 pages. You say, that's a long book. Yeah, we speak a lot. And so it's vital that we learn by the grace of God to tame the tongue and manage our mouth. So how do we do it? I want to share with you four, four keys as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit today. Four keys, how to manage your mouth. And the first one is this. Think. Think before you speak. Proverbs 16, 23, intelligent people think before they speak. What kind of people think before they speak? Intelligent people. You know, I have, I have learned over the course of time to have uh, great respect for our indigenous peoples here. And you, you may know that uh, our indigenous people tend to have few words. And if you've ever been in a committee where, where you had... Uh, someone from one of our First Nations on the committee, you'll know they don't say too much. But when they speak, they've already thought it through. They've thought first, and then they speak, and it's powerful. Uh, many times, different cultures, you know, we think by speaking. You know, we, we, you know, we figure things out as we talk. But, but the Bible says it's good to think first, and then speak. Uh, sometimes it's better just to remain silent and smile. <laughs> Have you learned that? Someone said, uh, 
you know, it, it's better to uh, keep your mouth shut and have people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, you know. And so sometimes it's just better to remain silent and smile. But Proverbs 18.20 says, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. And there are consequences, aren't there? You know, I'll, I'll spare you uh, the gory details, but early on in my ministry, I was visiting uh, a new church member. It was my very first church. And uh, this was someone that hadn't uh, been to church much, but she knew one of my relatives. And so I was just trying to connect, you know, and talk about my relative and, and just make that connection. And uh, I got a call that day from my aunt. What were you saying about us? You know, and, and uh, I thought that all I had shared was just public knowledge. But, but we have to live with the consequences, don't we? of everything we say. Now, a closed mouth gathers no foot. How do babies do this? You know, they can just put their foot right in their mouth, and, uh, but we do it all the time as adults, don't we? You know, we put our foot in our mouth, and a closed mouth gathers no foot. What you say can build people up or it can tear them down. We have a choice. Every time we open our mouth, we can choose to hurt or heal. We can choose to build up or tear down. We can choose to encourage or discourage because words are powerful. And by God's grace, the Holy Spirit needs to help us here. Manage our mouth. So here's a, a little acronym for you. Think. Think before you speak. T for truthful. Is it truthful? Before you say something, ask yourself, is this true? <laughs> that would get rid of most of gossip right there, wouldn't it? If you don't know it's true, don't say it. Uh, secondly, is it helpful? Something might be true, but if it's not helpful, don't say it. You know? And uh, inspirational. Is this something that will inspire people, that will lift them? Uh, necessary. Is it really necessary to say this? And K, is it kind? Uh, it would be good for us to, to just process that, get in the habit. Every time we're about to say something, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational, necessary, and kind? And if we really processed that, probably we would say less. Do you think? Now, Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Don't make rash promises. Let your words be few. Uh, you know, if you've had children, if you're a parent, <laughs> how many times have we promised our children such and such? Oh, yes, we'll do this, you know. Kids don't forget that, do they? <laughs> but we need, we, we often promise other people, you know, oh, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And uh, as Christians, sometimes, you know, we say, oh, I will be praying for you. And we may mean it, but let's Let's follow through. Don't make rash promises. Let your words be few. Uh, Proverbs 20, 25 says, It's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later consider his vows. You remember the story of Jephthah in the Bible and how, you know, he, 
he promised that he would offer to God as an offering the next thing that came along. It turned out it was his daughter, you know. And, and so this was just a rash promise, didn't think before he said it. And um, we get into trouble unless we think before we speak. All right. Secondly, always speak the truth. You might want to write that in on your outline. Always speak the truth. Proverbs 10.10 says, Deceit causes trouble. Deceit causes trouble. And folks, if we are in the habit of telling half-truths or whatever, we, we will get into trouble sooner or later. It is so true. Um, in the Good News translation, it reads this way, Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. So, um, you want to be a troublemaker? Just practice speaking things that aren't true. Hold back the truths, half-truths. Uh, by the way, if you tell people the truth, it's a lot easier to remember what you told people. Uh, if you tell this person one thing and this person another, and if it's, what did I tell that? What did I, you know, just tell the truth, and it'll be a lot simpler. So speak the truth always. But here's the challenge in relationships. If we hold back the truth, we end up without intimacy. We end up with superficiality. We end up being shallow people, and in our relationships, we don't have the depth that we're looking for. And so uh, this, is, this is the challenge. Proverbs 24, 26 says, Giving an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. So think that through for a moment. If being honest with someone is a sign of true friendship, then what does it mean when we're not honest with people? Uh, the reality is that, that dishonesty is ultimately a lack of love. And uh, if I'm not honest with you, it means one thing. I don't really love you. The loving thing to do is to be honest. It's the, the loving thing, really is, to speak the truth. And in the end... The Bible says people appreciate frankness more than flattery. People will value you if you give an honest answer. Now, in relationships, uh, we, we see how this works. We're often afraid to speak, you know, what, what is really true. We often withhold the truth because we're afraid of conflict. And so it's our cowardice that gets in the way. But one wife said, if I told my husband how I really resent how much time he spends at work and how it hurts our marriage he'd blow up. And so uh, the choice is made. I'm not going to mention it. You know, not going to talk about this because it's just going to cause a fight. One husband says, if I really told my wife how frustrated I am with our love life, she'd accuse me of having a one-track mind. So I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to hold back the truth here. One young person said, if I really told my parents what I want to do with my life and where I want to go to school, they'd kick me out of the house. You know? So I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to mention it because I don't want the conflict. But, but let me tell you this. If, if we want intimacy, we need to be able to put all the cards on the table. We need to be able to share, you know, honestly how we feel, what our concerns are for the relationship. And and uh, so the risk is conflict. But if we're going to arrive at intimacy, we must pass through the tunnel of conflict. And so that's the way. 
from superficiality to intimacy is through the tunnel of conflict. And when you get in the middle of that dark tunnel, it's not fun. It's not a happy place. But if we continue by God's grace to journey, we'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's where the intimacy happens. Many times, couples in marriage, you know, they're having a tough time. But if you see it through, if you don't give up, if you work through that tunnel of conflict, you will come to a beautiful place in your marriage. Am I saying that conflict leads to intimacy? Yes, if you don't give up, if you continue being honest and open with each other, because that's the loving thing to do. So how do you manage your mouth? First of all, think before you speak. Second of all, always speak the truth. And thirdly, speak the truth in love. In love. Now, you know, there are people that, that will speak the truth, but it's not a loving thing. <laughs> and the Bible is clear that we need to speak the truth in love. And Proverbs 12, 18 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Words can hurt and words can heal. And if we are wise, we will use our tongues to bring healing. We will speak the truth in love. We need to give more strokes than pokes. All right? And so this is important that we speak the truth in love. Proverbs 15, 4. Kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. And for the beekeepers among us, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul. How, how important it is just to speak those words that encourage, the words that inspire others. You know, anybody can be a critic. They don't make statues to critics, do they? They build statues to people who've been criticized all their lives. You know? And so, folks, let us, please, by the grace of God, tell the truth in a loving way, in a way that will build people up instead of tearing them down. And so, an encouraging word, Proverbs 12, 25, an encouraging word cheers a person up. This isn't rocket science. It's not hard just to say, you know, I'm listening to you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. Just to say those words that will let people know that you care. And this is so vital. I, I think as parents, uh, we fail often to realize how powerful it is to speak encouragement to our children. And it means so much to a child, you know, just to hear those words, good job, well done, you know. I, <laughs> I on my watch, I have an app that tells me how long I've spent washing my hands. You know, so... They say that you should, you should wash your hands for 20 seconds. And, uh, and so if I wash my hands for 20 seconds, my watch tells me, well done, good job. You know? And I think, man, if a watch can do that, how much more can we do that? You know, just to tell people that was well done. Great job. You know? we, we can say those words that encourage. We need to speak the truth and we need to do it. In love. So I want to challenge you this week. Every person that you meet this week, 
strive to encourage them. Are you up for that challenge? Can you do it for one week? Every person that you meet, say something encouraging to that person. How many of you can say, I'll accept the challenge here? You know? Well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. See how the week goes. It means so much to people when we speak those words that encourage. So how do we manage our mouths? One, think before you speak. Two, always speak the truth. Three, speak the truth in love. And finally today, ask Jesus for help daily. See, the fruit of the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that does this. We've been talking about this you know, for the last nine messages. We can't produce these things by trying harder. We're not going to become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful. We're not going to become more patient and kinder and, or, by trying harder. If you've done that work of trying harder, inevitably, it will lead to one of two things. Either you will get discouraged because you realize you're not doing it, or it will cause you to feel proud. Oh, look at how good I'm doing, you know. And either way is a problem, right? And so let's, let's acknowledge that we need Jesus to help us with this day by day. Psalm 141, verse 3. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and keep my lips sealed. What a short but powerful prayer. Take control of what I say, O Lord, keep my lips sealed. Now, it's one thing, you know, to put duct tape over your mouth. But what I, want to, what I want to draw your attention to here today is the reality is it's not the mouth that's the problem. It's the heart. It's the heart. And so Jesus said it this way, Matthew 15, verse 18, the things that come out of the mouth come from where? They come from the heart. And so your, your heart, what's in the heart, eventually is going to come out of your mouth. And the problem is, some of us have stuff in our hearts that are not good. I mean, if you, if you have a lot of pain and bitterness in your heart, what, what's going to come out of your mouth? You know, stuff that we, we would be ashamed to say. I, I'll never forget... Um, one day we're on a Sabbath uh, afternoon walk, and it wasn't here, but um, we were with some friends, and we were walking along uh, this, this kind of a side hill, and the grass was a little slippery. And one of the ladies that was with us was just this, you know, we all knew her to be kind and mild-mannered and, and everything. Well, wouldn't you know, she slipped on the grass and she was still wearing her Sabbath dress. She slipped on the grass and fell and she got covered in dirt and mud. And she swore a blue streak. Up, I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't know she had that in her. But the Bible says the things that come out of the mouth come from where? Sooner or later, what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. One person said, I'm so ashamed of what I said. It's not like me. I don't know what came over me. It's not like me to say this kind of thing. You know what I want to reply to that? 
and I won't say it to that person, but I want to say, excuse me, it's exactly like you. Because the Bible says that what's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. All right. And some of us, you know, we, we struggle to control our mouths when the real issue is it's a heart issue. When I was converted at the age of 18, I came to know Jesus. It was through an Adventist girlfriend that I met in high school. And I have to admit to you that in my high school days, I had a very foul mouth. I swore a lot. And when this dear uh, Seventh-day Adventist girl who had such a positive influence on me, uh, one day something happened that just really made me angry. And I started swearing and cursing. And she just went, oh! You know, she was shocked to see this come out of my mouth but it came out of my mouth because it was in my heart, you know. And the point is we need God to change our hearts. If we're ever going to manage our mouth, if we're ever going to have self-control in this area, it's because we let Jesus Christ change our hearts, folks. That's the key. Ezekiel 18.31 simply says, Get a new heart and a new spirit. That's the secret of self-control right there. Get a new heart and a new spirit. And so we need to pray like the psalmist did in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart. Oh God, created me a pure heart. You know, there's a, there's a scripture song Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do you know that song? And when we sing these songs, when we repeat the Bible verses, it's like prayer. And we need to pray this prayer often. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O oh God. James 1.26, If you claim to be religious... But don't control your tongue. You are just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Now the Bible doesn't mince words here, does it? If we claim to be a follower of Jesus, but we're saying things that hurt others, our religion is worth nothing. And folks, we, we need Jesus to help us every day with this, don't we? Daily, we have to ask Jesus for help. And you know what bothers me so much? I'll say this personally. How is it possible that I can say the most hurtful things to the people that I love the most? There was, uh, there was a time uh, we were just moving in, settling into our home, and, and you know Nancy was trying out different things to decorate the, the home, and she had bought something to put flowers in, a plant up kind of above our entryway. And I don't know whether it was a moment of uh, frustration for me or a moment of uh, just fatigue or what, but she said to me, how do you like it? 
And I said, I think it looks dumb. And you laugh, but it wasn't funny. I, I was speaking the truth. I was just telling her what I thought, you know. But I wasn't speaking the truth in love, right? Right? I mean, what, what would have been better is maybe something, you know, well, it's not, not exactly my cup of tea, but if you like it, that's wonderful, you know. I could have said something that was encouraging. Instead, it just says, that looks dumb. And it hurt her. I felt so badly. But how is it possible that I can say the most hurtful things to the people that I love the most? God, help us to have a new heart, a clean heart, from which spring will flow words that will help and that will heal and that will bless others. I heard the story about one father came home from work and he yelled at his wife. And so the wife yelled at the son and the son yelled at his sister and the sister kicked the dog and the dog bit the cat and the cat scratched the baby and the baby bit the head off her doll. It would have been better if dad had just bit the head off the doll and left all that middle stuff out, you know. But our, our words impact other people. They're so powerful. Can build up or tear down. The only way I will ever control my tongue is by letting Jesus control my heart. You know it's true. You know it. And friends, as we've gone through this journey together looking at the fruits of the Spirit, my appeal to you today is please spend the time with Jesus day by day in his word, on your knees, letting the Holy Spirit produce these fruits in your life. If we're not spending time with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not able to do his work. These fruits are really just a description of what Jesus is like. Jesus is love, he's joy, he's peace, he's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus is all of that. And when we come into his presence day by day, with this prayer on our lips, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, he will. All of these fruits of the Spirit will be present in our lives. And watch what happens in our relationships with others when we are more loving and more joyful and more patient and more kind, when we have integrity, when we have kindness towards others, when we are, you know, faithful to the people we've made those pledges to. God, his desire is for our homes to be a little foretaste of heaven. You know that. His desire is that in our relationships with others, our friendships, our relationships at work, that we would be a source of blessing to everyone that we connect with. And if you've heard anything I've said over the past nine times we've talked about this, it's not through trying harder. It's through getting closer to Jesus. Because that's when the Holy Spirit does his work in us. And the only way I will ever control my tongue is by letting Jesus control my heart. 
I want to ask you today, as we close, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And I invite you to stand, if you would. Let's all stand and just say this prayer out loud. I hope uh, that you can say it meaningfully from the heart. And then we're going to sing our closing song together. But let's say this prayer together. Jesus, take control of my heart. Take control of my life. My life has been out of control. I need you to take control. Friend, as we continue to pray that prayer, there are great relationships just ahead. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, uh, this passage in Galatians 5, the, the fruits of the Spirit. It is our desire that we would reflect more and more the character of Jesus. Lord, we know that you're not finished with us yet. We know that you are faithful to complete the work you've begun in us. You have our full cooperation, God. Our prayer, our desire is that you would take complete control of our hearts. And we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.